Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Resiliency listeners, we want to welcome you back to another podcast episode, and we are thankful for Micah and Kara and that they're willing to be a part of the podcast with us today. So welcome. So Micah and Kara, tell us a little bit about yourselves and maybe why are you here in this room, other than the fact that Steve and I asked you to. <laughs> right. Well, uh, we served in the, with Antioch uh, in, the, in the Middle East for 17 years. We've been back for a few years now, but uh, definitely uh, it's been quite a journey, so for sure. Yeah, we moved over pretty fresh out of college and early married. We were in the States for about two years after we were married. Um, Moved over with a six-month-old and um, a five-year plan. A five-year plan. Yes. That turned into a 20-year, or nearly 20-year plan. Yes, (laughs) yeah, yeah, the five-year plan on the whiteboard. Um, and we were going to be, we were going to be done. We were going to get it done. Like we had a five-year plan to accomplish our goal and then, you know, mm-hmm. move on to the next thing. If you don't mind me asking, what was your goal? Um, a church planning movement, okay. um, among Muslim background Arabs. So that was going to happen in uh-huh. five years. It was going to yes. happen in five years because we knew mm-hmm. best <laughs> we knew how, how to do here. that. Because we were twenty-something-year-olds who really understood. How yeah, to do we could see everyone else's mistakes and knew how to do that. Yeah. So, but so it got us out the door. It got you out the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that it's that vision that mm-hmm. that this could possibly happen. Yeah. I was reflecting on that the other day because we always joke about the five-year plan on the whiteboard and be like, you know, be flexible with your five-year plan. But the five-year plan got us out the door. Mm-hmm. That's um, good. Yeah. 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 And it, it really, I think we at that time didn't. I mean, who does really? You know, we at that time we didn't have the even the concept of what that's going to look like or how that would work out in in practicality. But we had a lot of zeal, and you know that really, as Kara said, you know that helped get us out the door and propel us out. Um, and then, you know, after that, we just kind of had to put our feet on the ground and figure out figure it out from day to day. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot that we did not know, but I think there's many many days where we were like, okay, well, we don't know how to do this, but we're just going to ask God and, and just just see what you know what uh, what He says to do uh, to do next. So. Yeah. What were some of the most challenging aspects to those seventeen years? Hmm. We our first three years on the field were really difficult in terms of we hit challenge after challenge after challenge. Three In three years, we evacuated three times um, for various different things. And, I mean, there's a lot of challenges that didn't involve crisis. But I would say for sure the first three years of we ended up in what was not a war zone when we moved there. We lost a child um, in those first three years. Uh, 9-11 happened and we were living in the Middle East in the city where all the celebrating that got broadcast around the world 
happened. That's a whole another story of what actually happened there. And then um, it became a war zone, and we ended up having to evacuate and leave um, for good. We didn't know it was for good at the time. So that season of just crisis after crisis after crisis was definitely a challenge. Um, in the midst of language learning, having kids, and then a, learning to live as a team, learning to live in community, mm. all on top of each other. So I'd say for the, the the other 13 years, there were other challenges in terms of kids and them thriving and still living in community on team was challenging. But I would say probably the crisis on crisis on crisis initially um, mm. was, it was hard. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. I think those first few years <clears throat> where we're trying to learn a very difficult language, we're living in a city that has, you know, very, very few English speakers. I think I could count on one hand the number of English speakers that we had in a city of 100, 150,000 people. And, and we're, we're there and full immersion. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people who were in our line of work, you know, were able to go to some kind of a language school or something like that, and we didn't have that. <laughs> we could have gone to a language school, but we said, yes. no, no. Right. Language school in the easy city is for pansies. <laughs> we're going to go get immersed and find a language tutor. So we, we did it the hard way, um, but it, it worked out uh, we, because totally we ended did. up being, I mean, all of us on that, on that first uh, iteration of our team uh, ended up being excellent Arabic speakers and it enabled us to get, in, get immersed. Um, but I'd, I'd say as well, though, those first three years, the, a lot of the, the crisis that we went through was definitely those, those external uh, the business that we started getting uh, the you know the door blown in and uh, you know used as a sniper nest for a while I mean it was literally in the middle having to put mattresses up around our windows and all moved to the middle of the house because there was firefights going on around our house and just a, a lot of uh, you know just really crazy stuff that I definitely did not sign up for <laughs> you know and, and honestly I mean we at times we were like you know we almost felt like you know, when we first moved over, it was, oh, this is going to be great. This we're we're in. There's been a peace treaty signed. There's uh, you know everything's good now, and uh, things are going to continue to be good. And we were on, in on the front end of that, and things rapidly deteriorated. Mm. And uh, that was definitely we would not have <laughs> probably chosen that, but uh, we got in the middle of it, and uh, we had to every day figure out, you know, God, how do I say yes to you today uh, about, you know, yeah. where we're, from where we are now? So I'm assuming that those those things in the first three years were not in the five-year plan. No. They were not. Absolutely not. Yeah. They were not on the whiteboard. Okay, okay not on the no. whiteboard. So that brings me to this question. If those were the, if that's what your first three years looked like, how did you not only complete the five years that you signed up for, but then an additional 13 years? I think the thing that we kept coming back to was we have not yet seen what we came here to, to see, you know, and that was, that was the thing that we, we had on our hearts, a very clear vision that we said, this is what this needs to look like. There was very many points where we said, okay, are we done? Can we, you know, can we pack it in now? You know, are we, and, and every time we would take it back to the Lord and say, Lord, are we done? You know, or, or is this, is this it? Is this the, is this the end of the road? Do we need to pack it in? And it kept, the answer kept coming back, you, we haven't, you haven't seen it yet. There's more. There's, there's you know, and that, I'd, I'd say that's, that's the thing that kept us for the next 13 years uh, mm. as well, was that yeah. we hadn't seen the completion 
of what we were what we left in 1999 to see you know so hearing the word of the lord yeah going back to him and hearing okay what is the word for this season mm-hmm. that we could stand on yeah that's true yeah yeah we would actually take uh Karen and I deliberately would take uh retreat times where we had reached kind of a almost a crossroads point or we recognized we were reaching a a um, decision point where we would say okay I need to get out into the and I would actually take day day or days to go out into the into the wilderness literally sometimes you know to go camping or something like that and just try to hear God as long as it took you know to say okay God and if, if we didn't have that we did not thrive uh, if we didn't have a word to stand on for the season we were in I actually marked two things in my journaling of like what are the mistakes that we made that almost brought us home and mm-hmm. that was one of them there was a season where we didn't want to, we didn't re up we didn't go back to God. We just kept going, mm. and that almost brought us home because yeah. we didn't have that word to go in, and we didn't have the fresh vision, and we were just plotting, and we're plotters. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to keep going in the same direction, um, but that's not healthy if it's not envisioned. Mm-hmm. In every season that we did thrive, we had a word to stand on. God said, stay. God said, go. God said, go back to the States for a year. God said, whatever he said we could stand on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was actually true no matter what the external circumstances were. Mm-hmm. If we, no matter how hard things were externally, if we had that word to stand on in that season, that living word that we had for that season, then it was endurable, you know. Uh, God gave us, yeah, the ability to endure. Mm-hmm. And the peace in the midst of some really crazy Yes. External circumstances. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, and cookie dough. And cookie dough. Cookie dough. And Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, putting mattresses up over your windows because of, of firefights going around you and you have little kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the thought processes going on during some of those times because it sounds like there were definitely times you wanted to come home. Mm-hmm. You wanted to pack up and leave, and it was the word of the Lord that kept you there, but... How do you how do you fight off that desire and wanting to know or do the best thing for your family mm-hmm. in the midst of a word from the Lord that might seem to go counter to that? I will say um, in that season where the embassy called and said, your city's about to be evaded. We recommend you leave. You're Basically, you're not our problem if you don't leave. Mm-hmm. They essentially said, you're on your own Yeah. if you decide like, to stay. We're not coming in to get you. There is no Um, helicopter. Very clearly, (laughs) because after a certain other event that had recently happened, there was a lot of blowback, and they they were saying very specifically, we are not coming in to get you if there's a problem. I kind of feel like I got a a cheat on that season, because when we waited on the Lord, go or stay, and God said stay, I heard Psalm 121.7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. We did not have that in every season. That is not a given when you go overseas that you won't be harmed, that your children won't be harmed. But in that particular season of months, I felt like God gave me the promise that he was protecting us from harm. At the end of that season, we had a very clear word from the Lord, a prophetic word from the Lord, the cloud of grace is lifting and it's time to leave. So I felt like that was the end of that word. But in the midst of hearing, you know, rockets go over our house, and I mean, there was tension. 
and we felt it a lot after we left. Like, we still... So, like, coming down from that, yeah. Yes, coming down from that, there was tension, but in the midst of it, even when it was like, okay, there's a bomb hitting and the house is shaking, there was a sense of peace because I had that promise from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm very grateful for that. And so I stood on that, and Mm -hmm. um, that helped me to get through the days. Yeah. I'd say just I spent a lot of time praying out loud, praying through all the scriptures that I could find that referenced fear. There was a lot of, there was a sense of just the whole city itself was under so much fear, and our neighbors and so on, you know, there was a lot of fear. I remember one night, you know, going up, I think we lost electricity, and we actually went up and sat in the neighbor's house Mm -hmm. and with them, and that was, you know, they just, they just, they, the community had in that building had basically said, hey, let's all pull together, let's sit together, you know, we're, we're going to be community together. And so we did that uh, one time. But, but, but for our family and for ourselves, for me, I was just like, it was like praying on the, it was really praying on the ragged edge. It was like that raw, I now understand David a, lo- a lot better, and I understand a lot of the Psalms where he's just on that ragged raw edge of God I don't see you God I don't understand why this is happening I don't I don't get it but I'm going to pray it out and I'm going to have whatever faith looks like and you know faith seems like a you know when I it's it it becomes less of a nice idea that you believe in and more of a you're this person out there that I'm I'm crying out to and I may not even fully hear everything that's going on you know understand or, or, or whatever but I'm placing my trust somewhere here this is all you're all I have you know and uh, uh, you know one of the scriptures you know I would land on again and again was like whom have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing on it on it I desire besides you uh, you know in that 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 uh, you're all like you're all I got where else can we go you have the mm-hmm. words of life you know those those kinds of desperation moments and uh, anyway so that's I think that was that was something that sustained us and, and I'm thankful that in that season our, our you know our, our kids were uh, on the younger end of things so I think they didn't fully uh, process everything that was happening um, you know at, uh, at maybe at an emotional level but maybe not a, a, mm-hmm. I don't think any of them remember those days yeah I mean they were three and less than one. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but but as parents, we definitely <laughs> yes, processed a lot for, sure. for them, for sure. Um, and the family story of, you know, we were trying to stay away from the windows, and I walk into a room, and our son is, like, up under the curtains, like, standing at the window. And I'm, like, trying not to freak him out, but to get him away from the windows. And I'm like, so what are you doing? He's like, I'm listening to the balloons pop. And I'm like, okay, those are bullets, but we're not going to. You know, we're not going to address that. We're just going to roll calmly come away from the window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so for the person listening who's like, well, see, like God's going to protect me, what would you say to them? I don't know. One of the things that, I, that was a huge takeaway that I've, that I've carried forward from, really actually from our moment when, uh, when our son passed away, uh, son William passed away, was that there are no guarantees. Mm-hmm. You know, really, sure. there are no guarantees in life, you know, life and death. And it's it's hard to hear, especially as Americans. I think we've gotten used to the idea that everything really is going to be okay. We've got, you know, a great medical system. You know, we we almost have a, almost a blasé attitude about, and I mean, or, or this idea that, that 
death, death is not really going to affect us or suffering may not affect us, you know, personally. You know, it's, I can get out of this, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think At least until we're 78 or above. Mm-hmm. Right, right, exactly. Right. And, 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 and my, my, word, my word, as hard as it is maybe to hear, is there are no guarantees mm-hmm. for sure except that God is good. And that is, and I don't mean that at all in a flippant way, you know, because I can say that on the other side of a lot of suffering and a lot of death um, that I've seen either for ourselves or for others. And somehow in the bottom of it all, as, you know, Corey Ten Boom's sister said, you know, there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Mm. And that is a a experiential thing. It's not just an idea. Instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to go, God's going to protect me. I think instead having a good, solid background and understanding of a theology of suffering, if Mm -hmm. you will, is super important. Um, It's not just important, it's vital. And that's that's where I would want to land on that is in and it ha it I'll say this one of the things that helped me personally obviously was our personal experiences on the field that were shaping but even going into those um, you know I, I grew up on the mission field myself my parents were missionaries in Africa and um, we saw that you know people in in West Africa where we lived they they suffered they they knew death they they were very intimate with it. And yet they were also a joyful people, and they had that they had it in balance. You know, mm-hmm. they understood what suffering was, and yet they also had the balance right of of the the, the Christian life and mm-hmm. understanding what, how all that works together. So, yeah, the understanding that God is good, and the conceptualization that God can be good even in the midst of loss is is vital that theology of suffering. Um, it, it's a gift that I felt like God gave me the night that we lost our son. I remember sitting on the curb outside the hospital. We were waiting for our teammates to come pick us up because we shared a vehicle. And just this weight of, I know that I know that I know that God is good. And I, at the time, even, I remember thinking, that is really weird thing to be thinking right now. Like, that's not a normal thought to be having when I just lost a child. Mm-hmm. And it was very much, God gave that to me it's a great at gift. that point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because it did not come from the circumstances. It did not come from, and that's the word that I stood on more than anything in the next season, because all of this with the war zone all happened after that, mm-hmm. is it was not something I conjured up. I didn't manufacture it. He gave me that gift of just, I know that God's good, and I know that he loves me, and I know that he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right before the season when the um, song, the Blessed Be Your Name song came out. Mm-hmm. And when that song was, when they introed it on a Sunday morning, we were here in the States, and I was like, that's it. That is what I know, that in whatever the circumstances I'm going to praise you, and you are good, and I think that was a gift that he gave us that was key to us making it for the long haul. I don't mm-hmm. believe that he took our son to give us that, but I believe that he used that. Mm-hmm. And that we know that, yeah, life's not a given. Lack of pain is not a given, but he's still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus promised us you know in this world you will have tribulation you will have troubles you will have suffering 
I mean, that's a promise, you know. And, and so for us to come at suffering as, as, as if we're being punished or as if, if it's something that shouldn't be happening is, is it's just such a, it's a, it's a, I have learned, you know, that was such a, that's a wrong perspective to mm-hmm. have. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, at the bottom of things, you know, of everything, we continue to discover that he is good. And it, the, 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 the amazing thing is, is that there is no end to that. You know, we don't reach the end of the line and God says, okay, this is the end of the line. I, beyond this, you're on your own. But instead, he says, you're about to discover more of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So the loss of William happened before the war zone. Mm-hmm. You yeah. exited that and entered into war zone time. Yes. And, uh, and you still stayed. Yeah. You had the word of the Lord to keep you there. You had a theology of suffering that was at least developing if it wasn't crystallized. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that enough to keep people on the field? Or is there some, some things that you all have learned what else was there? There has to be more. Oh, yeah. I'd say huge, huge part of it was pulling together as a team on a regular basis to, to pray and to worship. I mean, that was our lifeline during those days and throughout. And we, we maintained that. You know, we would, I think at one point, we were gathering at least once a day uh, to, <laughs> to pray and worship. During the, I mean, basically, as the season got tougher, we pulled together more to, to pray more, to worship more. Um, because we recognize this is all we have. You know, we have, if we don't have all of our lifelines that we, you know, to America, to anywhere, nobody can rescue us. You know what I'm saying? And, the, the, and yet we were like, <laughs> our only lifeline is, is that is the one to heaven, to bring heaven close to earth. You know, prayer d- doesn't, is no longer a thing that I do just to start off my day, maybe book in my day or whatever, mm-hmm. but it becomes a, I'm walking and I'm praying. I'm, con- you know, the praying continuously. Uh, we actually, at one point, we are, we put a sign up on the, on our doors before we leave the, our, our apartments that said stop on it. It had a little stop sign on it. And it was a reminder for each of us to say, before you leave this apartment today, have you prayed? Have you asked God, do I need to go to this place or do I need to go somewhere else? Do I need to? It was a, it was a moment by moment. God, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? So as, as things heated up in the external, we had to heat up our dependence and our listening to the Holy Spirit and say, and so that was, that, that was the continual prayer that was going on in that time. And it, it came down to Okay, I'm not going to, you know, it was very, it was really even very simple stuff. It wasn't even, even a, hey, Holy Spirit, you know, what is, what's the next five years going to look like for me or my family, <laughs> stuff like that. But it was, God, what parking space do you want me to park in? Or do I need to move my car right now because there may be a bomb in this telephone booth that's rigged to, to explode? You know, stuff like that. Which was just, something that had happened in our that, city. That yeah. had happened, actually. You know, so it wasn't just crazy thoughts. <laughs> yeah. But it had actually happened. And we, we had, you know, in our city, we had one of the, the, uh, the, the forces on the other side, uh, outside our city, had actually rigged a telephone booth to explode uh, to try to kill one of the leaders of, of the other side. And they'd actually... Did it actually happen? Did it kill a couple of kids that had been standing nearby? It was a very sad thing that it took place. And after that, we were just like, anything can happen at any time. And we have to, God knows it all. The Holy Spirit knows it all. He sees it all. I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to listen to him real hard. Mm-hmm. And it became a, a it became a vital thing again, uh, not just a 
this is nice, but uh, and this feels nice. Mm-hmm. So, moment to moment, Lord, what do you say? What do I do? Where do I walk? You know. <laughs> so, yeah. I think something kind of simple that I kept going back to in that season when people would question, like, how can you be there? Was am I guaranteed happiness if I'm in the middle of God's will? No. Am I going to be happy if I'm outside his will? For sure not. So why wouldn't I be right where he wants me to be? Because all of the external comforts that exist in the U.S. and family and you know home church, all of that, that's not going to bring me happiness. That's not going to bring me happiness if I know what God has said is to be in this place. And I think that's that, that actually speaks to back to as well that it is possible for God to speak, leave a place, or go to a place. You know, it's not just for a sure. so the word of the Lord is not a static thing that's that always says, always stay here in the and tough it out. You know, sometimes it's Definitely. it's I want you to leave this spot and then maybe come back later. Or, hey, you need to transition because this is it's time. You know, mm-hmm. and and really just staying close to the Lord and knowing and 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 continuing to of course continuing to process with others with the body of Christ and so on things that we're hearing um, and uh, but yet at the same time that's that's the vital thing is really maintaining that close relationship with God you know and uh, and really hearing Him for for those kinds of decisions yeah so what I'm hearing is it was the vision that took you there but it was the voice of the Lord that kept you there absolutely. And I would say in, in some of the later years, there was, okay, we came back to the States on a regular refuel um, and did some testing with one of our kids. And yes, what we were concerned was true. We have an autism diagnosis. Okay, God, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I know in that season, I was kind of surprised, not the first time that I was surprised that God said, I want you to go back. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, that doesn't makes sense in the natural, but we'll do what you say. Spent a really intense year and came back the next summer, got a autism diagnosis for a second child, and then the word of the Lord was stay for a year after a lot of counsel as well. And then at the end of that year where all of our kids were thriving and we got some more intense therapy for both the boys, it would have made a lot of sense for us to stay mm-hmm. at that point. And God said, go back. And go back, and, it, and I felt very clearly, I think both of us did at that point, that the word was go back. It's not going to be for a long, long time, but I, I'm not done yet. And, and those were the most, right after that, were the most fruitful years exactly. of our ministry. And so we went back. Yeah. We were back for three or four years mm-hmm. before we went back to the U.S., and that was when we saw movement took out off. of our team that took off. So there was a very much of a... Go turn to the right or the left. God tell us what to do, and it didn't. Rarely did it match up with what would be a natural decision at that point to take a nonverbal three-year-old with autism back into, you know, a city where nobody spoke English, mm-hmm. and expect him to advance. But he did, and then okay, but everything's going great. Okay, come back for a year. <laughs> And everything's going great here. Okay, go back for three years. But we see his fruit, including in our kids, mm-hmm. from every one of those decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, to me, as a mom, 
the longevity piece was a big part of that was knowing that if God's called me and called us as a couple to be here, it is also what's best for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to trust God that they are going to benefit from this and it's what's best for them. It's not just what's best for us and then we take care of them. Mm-hmm. But really, he's going to do things for them, in them, through them. If he's called us there, he's called us as a family. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting to think about, you know, it's like, what is, what, what story is God telling through us? You know, it's, it's a, there's a lot of different stories that he's telling at a given point. You know, it's maybe a story about our family and what he's doing in us and through us and in our kids. And he's telling a story of redemption for our people at the same time, you know, and, and both of those are going on. And both of those are good stories. You know, we don't want to, you don't want to abandon either one of those. Mm-hmm. Everything that God did in us and through us up to that point was made us ready as a team to be able to help uh, these new believers in these churches that were being planted. So. Including and probably very pivotally that philo- that theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. Imparting yeah. that to believers and saying, this is what I've walked through. Yeah. And well, it's hard. I'll say this. I mean, it, it helps that the major leader of the movement that we have there is somebody whose family is uh, from originally from that first city that we landed in, in the other country. <laughs> and he and I had many conversations where I was like, I understand your people's suffering because I've, I've been there. You know, I've, I've, I've lived through that, but he was like, I connect with you. And there was a deep, deep connection. It was not just me showing up and saying, let me just tell you how to do this. But it was, we've, we've walked through this with you and, uh, and with your people. And we understand that. And so it was an incarnate, it became an incarnational thing, you know, to be honest. And, uh, I think that's really helped a lot with keeping things sustained. What would be the one thing that you want to say? Silas, don't forget this. I would say, hear the Lord in every season. Mm-hmm. Hear the Lord. Have something to stand on. Have that word that you know um, is clear from him that you can go back to and say, I know that God said this. I would just say, yeah, just the, the getting the foundations right on the, on the front end is, is that... Again, coming back to the, 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 I was thinking earlier, is like what is, what's so important, what helps keep, it, keep, it, keep us going, is that understanding the underpinnings of the, the basically the theology of suffering. It becomes, a, it becomes a rock. It's a foundation that is a rock that you can stand on. You learn to take up a cross. You learn to die to self. You learn a lot of those things that we talk about, but then you, when you live it out and you walk it out, you find a, a deeper truth than you knew. Going back to that, that is the thing that I would say, get that right. You know, and mm-hmm. it really gets going. I mean, look at look at the Word of God. You know, I mean, it's it's all throughout there. Every <laughs> everybody uh, that that you read that is held up as an example in the Word of God is somebody who walked through a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think we really fully give credence to that, especially here in this country, because we have a lot of comfort and we don't suffer much, uh, generally speaking. Especially if you look at the whole of the church, but this is this is the sto- that is the story of the church. That is the story of of Jesus's church. Thank you guys so much for sharing today and uh, just yeah, being willing to let your story be heard. Just like to ask you to 
you already said, Michael, you're going to be the one to do it. So, <laughs> Michael, just ask you to pray a prayer of blessing and impart some of these things that you've shared that God's taught you mm-hmm. uh, into our, our lives, into our listeners' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you walk with us in the, in the valley of the shadow of death. You walk with us in dark places where we cannot see what's next. And I, I do think about... <laughs> You know, uh, Holy Jeremiah or, um, yeah, just uh, Moses and, 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 and others, many, many others, David and others who I guarantee they didn't see the full picture. They didn't know what was happening, but they had someone they could trust that was out there, that they had had some kind of interaction with, that they had... Yeah, that who had touched their hearts and all of their beings, and I, Father, I pray that that would be our experience as well. For each of us, that we would have that that encounter with God, that encounter with you, not maybe not as dramatic as a burning bush, but something that we look back to when we close our eyes. It does burn in us like. I'm sure Moses at times would look back and say, but I saw God, Mm -hmm. and that's it. I'm changed, Mm -hmm. and I don't know all the answers. I'm slow to speak. I don't get it. I really don't, and and I'm not grasping this, but I saw God, and I'm changed. And and, and pray, Father, that, that each of us would... We would go. We would have those places where we could go back and say, "Lord, I met you here, and I'm changed. Give me a rock to stand on." And uh, Lord, I pray that each of us just grace upon grace upon grace to receive those grace gifts in the midst of suffering, to know that there is no pit so deep that you are not deeper still. No matter where we are what we've experienced, what we are experiencing now, or what we will experience, that you are there with us. And we are discovering room after room of your goodness and the great, enormous castle of your goodness. And we are just exploring that, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are indeed with us and you will never leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Micah and Kara, thank you again so much. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. That does it for this episode of Resiliency. You can follow us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. And so for now, I'm Silas West, and thank you for listening to Resiliency. Resiliency.